Nate's come out with another awesome tool for the swimming community. It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. It has all the information you're looking for, event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. Hi, Bill Kirby. Welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Brett. Um, thanks for calling me out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going through my teammates, you know, my, my Sydney 2000 teammates, especially. I'm going through the whole list and you're on that list, mate, as an Olympic gold medalist. So no doubt I had to get you on the podcast. Uh, yes, no, I've been watching lots of your podcasts and listening to them when I've been doing the gardening, um, doing the chores around the house and um, really enjoying it. Good stuff, mate. Well, listen, tell us where you're coming from now. Where are you? Uh, look, back in Perth, uh, Western Australia, um, we actually came to stay on the eastern seaboard, but uh, got an opportunity from my old school to start a swimming program um, without any, you know, without any risk, without any cost. So my wife and I moved back to Perth. And running a, run a, a swim school, running a swim club as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So we started off just out of an outdoor 50-metre pool. Um we had a learner swim sort of business foundation first just to help sort of pay the bills. And we started a swimming club uh, probably about six years in. And uh, we've sort of grown the learner swim business to really support the swimming hobby. That's awesome, mate. And, uh, mate, I imagine the last 12 months has been difficult then, hey? Uh, yeah, I think um, I went from telling the principal of our school that I thought COVID was just going to be some big beat up, don't worry about it. <laughs> to being uh, shut down and um, literally for, I don't know, probably six to eight weeks thinking I'm going to lose the house, all the hard work we've put in for the last 15, 20 years was going to be gone. But uh, look, we were lucky in Australia particularly. Um, so we got we got some good business support and we ended up coming out okay. Oh, it's good to know, mate. I'm glad. And you guys are at the coming out the other end of it now. Is like things opened up completely in Perth. How's it looking? Um, well, Perth, you know, being one of the most isolated cities in the world, um, you know, it's really been so fortunate for that. So we, we are literally living life as normal. Um, we had a speaker last night come and do a talk to the school kids and uh, he's from Sydney, flew in, and he couldn't believe that people are walking down the street um, not trying to avoid everyone else walking the other way, you know. So <laughs> um, we're literally life as normal. Um, in the back of our mind, we know that, we can go into lockdown very quickly and things can change. So, um, you know, everyone's still on eggshells, but very much enjoying the freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Now as the, um, has the vaccines got your way yet? Uh, I think they just started rolling out about three or four weeks ago with, um, the people that are at the coalface of the, you know, of the healthcare workers and so forth, uh, yeah. quarantine workers. So I think they're talking about by October having, a bit more of an impact in the in the in the whole population yeah okay well good well listen you know i know we mentioned earlier when we're off air a little bit that we're both kind of got stuck in swimming it's it's not the most entertaining sport in the world but for some reason you and i um love it which it's just part of our heritage it's part of our blood you know where it's just in us and um i know you feel the same way about it it's just uh it's one of those sports that once it's in you you can't get it out of you but 
you know, I, I like this podcast because it helps me kind of document history. It kind of helps me tell some stories. And, you know, you've got an amazing story yourself, mate. You're part of some incredible uh, historic relay teams for Australia and world record setting relay teams with some of the most um, famous athletes in, in our sports history. But you were part of that, you know, and, and you've got an amazing story yourself. So I just want to kind of go back a little bit and tell me where did it all start for you? Oh, um, probably started in the 80s uh, watching, I think it was called Chopper Squad, mate, and seeing the guys uh, on the beach running in their little budgie smugglers saving people's lives <laughs> and living in um, sort of an eastern suburb of Perth, um, dreaming of being on the beach and being a lifesaver. And finally, my dad moved close to the beach. Um, I joined the local surf club and... Um, I'd gone from being like the backyard U Street four lap dash swimming champion in our backyard 10 metre pool to actually doing okay in the surf race um, and then being picked up by a local coach. So, um, you know, my first love was surf ice saving and, um, and surfing. And then, um, you know, I guess fortunately for me, I found a really awesome coach that, you know, instilled the love of swimming up and down a black line. Well, talk to me about him. Who was that? Uh, his name was Graham. Um, Graham had a little backyard swim school and um, he just coached at the local uh, fitness centre. And, uh, you know, out of his squad, I mean, he he was just had this amazing ability to get kids to buy into this little journey of trying to become a state champion and then go from there. And um, I'm pretty sure he coached Damon Sullivan and Adam Lucas and a whole bunch of other um, Australian swimmers as juniors, but he never had the, um, never really had the dream of being an elite coach, but just was such an awesome junior coach. Well, how did you go from that to being a member of the Australian Institute of Sport? Like, where is the in-between there? Ah, okay. So um, I'll, I was pretty... Um, Pretty fortunate. I went to uh, that coach Graham had a heart attack, so I had to join a, a bigger club. So I joined a club called City of Perth Swimming Club, mm-hmm. um, and they'd had a, a member of of the Australian swimming team pretty much every year for 30, 40 years. So I had Shelley Taylor Smith, um, uh, Neil Brooks, Dean Peters, who was a Barcelona Olympian, um, mm-hmm. as my training partners, and um, they sort of taught me how to work hard. Um, I think Neil probably taught me how to enjoy the other side of life, which I had to move away from, um, which is one of the reasons why I went to Canberra. Um, you know, I got lucky early. I was 17, um, ranked 22nd in Australia for 100 fly. Um, went to, which I didn't go to, the, the Australian team trials were actually in Perth. So I just drove down the road and <laughs> competed thinking I'd, be lucky to make a B final, ended up winning the 100 fly with Adam Pine. Oh, so, wow. um, yeah, so Andrew Bowden was my hero um, in the swimming circles and I ended up beating him as a 17-year-old. And um, that sort of thrust me into the Australian team uh, without probably enough effort, uh, with enough, probably without enough focus. And then I drifted, I think, until I realised that it was starting to go beyond me and um, Don Talbot, uh, played with my mind a bit and I thought, Jesus, I'm going to have to do something special uh, either with my study or with or with swimming. And um, I think swimming just won out. So what time did you go to win that Australian Championship at 17, do you know? 
Yeah, I do know. It's pretty embarrassingly slow. <laughs> I think there was a void. It was the year after Barcelona. So I think um, Andy Bowden was probably still partying. But um, me and Piney touched um, in dead heat first in 55.58. Nice. We should have a breaststroke time these days. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy how fast that's getting. But, but that's awesome, though. That threw you into the spotlight. And I'm sure you started to get people, you know, wanting to know who you were and and um recognize the talent at least which is nice you know so then so who who ended up making the offer to come out to the ais uh i actually chased it down um i i missed the atlanta games uh i had glandular fever uh had a really really crappy time i ended up quitting swimming for about six months no, me, you and me and both. I, we got the same stories there. I had glandular fever, missed the team, quit swimming for six months. Same thing. So anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah, no. Nah, and um, what got me back in the pool was my swimming coach, Bernie, um, from from Perth City, basically said, there's a trip to Sweden if you make the short course team, Bill. And I went, Sweden? I've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that got me back in the – that got me – out of Margaret River and back in Perth and back in the pool. So um, I I trained with him and I actually plateaued, I think, uh, largely due to me studying. Um, I was still being a typical uni student, going out on a Wednesday night, rocking up, hungover on Thursday morning, going out Friday night, rocking up Saturday morning, hungover and, and trying to be serious. And um, I plateaued. Don Talbot tapped me on the shoulder at the 97 World Short Course um, and he obviously saw it in me. I, he just said, Bill, what are, you, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? I'm just warming up. I think I was just stretching about to warm up. And um, he goes, you don't think that you can win a medal here, do you? And uh, I went, no. Nah. <laughs> He's like, so why are you here? And I'm like, it's a really good question. I didn't really have an answer, you know. And he goes, you're just here participating, aren't you? You think you made it just by being here. And uh, then he started saying, why don't you think you're good enough? And I was just like, holy crap, you know. And it was the best chat he'd ever had. Um, he didn't even put his finger in my chest, which was good. <laughs> and uh, I think I came away from that trip. Um, I was lucky enough to be in the four by two with uh, the three, you know, three greatest male swimmers of that time. Well, some of the three, obviously there's plenty with, uh, with, with Kieran as well, but... Hacky, Thorpey, Klimi and I were in the 4x2 team there and broke the short course world record. So um, I think I went from a best time of 147 to 145 and um, in one swim and uh, came back and really had, from Don's chat and that, and that experience, had this thought that I'm only really putting in 80%. And if I want to do something in Sydney, I'm going to have to change everything. So for me, that meant getting away from my... My, my university mates, um, I was surfing a lot too, so getting away from killing myself surfing um, in between training sessions and then moving to Canberra. So I begged and initially I was told there's no way. I was basically told you're just too old. I was 21, 22, and uh, I was past it apparently. So Too old. <laughs> yeah, so I put up a bit of a fight and um, Jim Fowley had a, you know, I had a, ended up saying, yeah, I'll take you on, but if you don't perform every season, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop you. 
So um, I actually spent my years in Canberra on a knife edge um, between him and Don Talbot. I had to prove myself every meet. <laughs> so uh, well, I was it sounds like you needed other. that. It worked perfectly, you know. Um, got a fond story of uh, I was a pretty useless short course swimmer and um, I remember Jim Fowley and Don pulled me into the room before a World Cup in Sydney and said, if you don't, if you don't go, you know, better than 156 for your 200 fly, we're going we're gonna to kick you out of the Institute. And it was just like a year and a bit out from Sydney. And I'm like, what? But like no one else at the Institute had that pressure on them that I'm aware of. <laughs> I was in the middle of really hard training. And I remember having a, a, pre, a pre-swim dump sitting in the, in, the, in the cubicle going, this is so shit. I am going to be kicked out. I feel terrible. I'm going to swim crap. Just going through all this really negative self-talk. Mm. And uh, I, don't, I don't share this story a lot with my athletes, but I spent the first 50 metres of the tuna fly heat uh, going, oh, this sucks. I feel terrible. This is terrible. I'm going to be kicked <laughs> out. And then I turned at the 75 metre mark and I was like half a body length in front of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started going, oh, shit, I'm actually going okay. I'm actually doing all right here. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. You know, I ended up going like 155. Oh, you know, wow. doing, like, doing like a three-second PB and then, you know, smiling. And, and Jim, I think Jim and Dom were like, okay, we know how to get this guy to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what were your strengths, mate? Because you're not the biggest guy out there and, and you're surrounded by these, these huge figures. I mean, you're swimming... 200 flies and 200 freeze, you know, with some, some of the greatest athletes in history. So, you know, where was your head in terms of um, where you sat within the Australian ranks and, and how were you going to make teams? Like for me, it was like, all right, I got to beat, I got to beat Chris Feidler and, and that's really it, you know, uh, but you, you've got guys all around you. You got Clemmy, Thorpey, Hackey, you know, these sensational and then not to mention everyone else in the 200 fly. So in terms of what you were thinking, where did you see yourself? Uh, well, I was a tuner flyer mainly with tuner free backup. Um, so I was, you know, and you're right. In 96, I had Scott Goodman and Scott Miller. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were both big medal chances. Um, one of them medaled. Uh, the other one, I think, finished fifth or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, well, they both, maybe they both medaled. I mean, I, I remember I was in Margaret River then and, then they sort of peeled away a little bit. So I was, I think I was two or three years running as a tuna fly champion, but still not being able to go any quicker than 157. Mm-hmm. And the best swimmers were going 155 in the world. So I was still, I was always just off it. Um, mm. And I think I had a, knew that the four by two team was going to win a gold medal in Sydney. And um, so I just started to put more energy into that. Um, look, I'm not even six foot. Um, yeah. I weigh 80 kilos when I'm wet with a pair of wet board shorts on, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was tough knowing that I had to compete against uh, Thorpey, who was, you know, he was he was pretty close to 100 kgs, wasn't he? He was a, you know, big lad. Freak of nature. And, um, you know, initially I think I was, I resented that fact. Um, but, you know, Grant Hackett, I mean, he... Same, really big stretch marks up his back from growing so much. You know, I would love to have grown. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but obviously, um, 
you know, I think it started to hit that uh, these guys were just a bit like the four-minute mile when we had training camps with them. They just opened up everyone's eyes to what was what was possible. You know, do you, remember, do you remember some of those moments? Like, do you remember some sets that you guys were doing oh, at the camps like that? Yeah, heaps, heaps of sets. Um, I remember doing test sets of those seven two hundreds and. And I used to love watching the rivalry. Um, in the old days, I used to love uh, watching Glenn Hausman really hate Kieran and push him and push each other. And then as I got older, watching Hackett and Thorpey, there was no hate there. There was a lot of mutual respect, but they hated losing, right? So in a test set, they push 146 at the end. <laughs> you know, my best time was 148 um, in a suit. <laughs> So <laughs> they're pushing 146 in a pair of, you know, nylon sluggos, and I'm just going, holy crap. That's madness. Um, the sets training with those guys were awesome, and the kick sets. I don't know if they do that still, but uh, we did a kick set with Dennis Cottrell on the Gold Coast. There was me, Klimmy, uh, Hacky, Thorpey, and a Japanese sub-1,500 metre swimmer who I can't remember his name, but. It was a simple set, six 200s on three minutes kick. And I think they started out about 240, 245, and it was to send one to three. And I think in the end, the third and the sixth one, uh, Thorpe and Hackey went sub 220. Long course? Long course, yeah. It was. Jesus. It was. Those boys could kick. And uh, I did a PB set, and I think I got down to 235 or something like that. And then in between me and them was Michael Klim, who was one of the biggest training animals ever. And and him and I were just shaking our heads because I was living with him on the Gold Coast just for a couple of weeks just to get fit before going to boring Canberra. And um, it was pretty cool. Wow, that is incredible. Yeah, that's that's madness. I, I was in the hot shower uh, at the time that you were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> But what was your strength, mate? Well, what was it then? So, I mean, obviously you had you had to compete with these guys and these guys were doing phenomenal things and, and um, you're seeing this stuff. But what was your strength? Uh, look, I just think I had, um, and I probably still have a bit of a mental issue. I just have a mental tenacity, a bit of a small dog syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I believe I, I had a very strong work ethic when it came to pushing myself. Um, I don't think it was as strong as as Michael Clems. I think he's one guy. I used to, thought, I used to think I'd train harder than anyone until I trained with him. Um, so I think I just loved hard work. I still love pushing myself really hard. Um, and, you know, I think the other strength was just longevity. Um, you know, I was 26 when I when I finished up. So, I, you know, I, I wish I was as mature as Daniel Kowalski. He was um, he was just so mature for his age and so good, so young. Me and him race each, uh, race each other all the time as age groupers. And um, I was always just too immature to concentrate out of the pool, in the pool. And um, I reckon I worked as hard as him. Um, so probably just my mental ability to sort of grind through and get through the monotony and push myself, I'd say. But my weakness was always um, being able to be mature in the concentration. So I, I, I learned a lot of that in Canberra, training with Alex Popoff and, and Michael Clem. 
Yeah, talk to me about that experience. I mean, that was a phenomenal time in Australian swimming history, you know, to have that, that those people there. And you, you might be able to mention some others that had an influence on you as well. But talk to me about the Australian Institute of Sport. What was, what was working uh, around that time? Why was it clicking so well? Um, look, I think... Um Everything was working well in, in Australia leading up to leading up to uh, Sydney. I think um, we had really good event camps. We had coaches that were all buying into doing well as a, as a nation as opposed to competing against each other. And I think the Institute, uh, we had four coaches and they were all working hard together uh, leading up. And Gennady and Jim Fowley, my coach, were like best buddies and we used to train, do a lot of stuff together. Um, athletes, I think, on the back of uh, Clint's mindset and uh, Alex Popoff's mindset. I mean, I remember walking in there coming from Perth. Um, my routine used to be train in the morning, go, go to the beach, go, to, go for a surf, go to uni if I had uni, um, have lunch, go to the pool, train and just do that day in, day out. And I was just always busy. I went to Canberra and trained in the morning, had breakfast, got back to the flats, there's 12 guys. I'm thinking, what are we going to do today? Like, what sort of fun are we going to do? And everyone closes their door and goes to sleep. <laughs> and I'm just scratching my head going, like, what is everyone doing? Like, how, we've, got to, we've got to do something fun. Um, so I, they, just, they just managed everything really well there um, with all their recovery, their massage, their physio. It was just every minute of the day was literally... It taught me to literally ask myself the question, what can I do in the next half an hour that's going to make me faster in Sydney? Mm. And um, and that in the, in the end, that meant you'd go out for, I think we went to Michael Klim's birthday party. I went to his house and, you know, 10, 10.30, it's like, all right, guys, let's wind it up. We've got to be fresh for Monday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was a big difference uh, to what I was living um, in 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 Perth with literally no other influences that had any other goals other than, um, you know, make, make the most out of a Saturday night. Yeah. Well, give us a, you spent a lot of time with Alex Popoff thing. Give us an Alex Popoff story. what did you got? Um, oh man. Um, I was lucky uh, that I, my locker was right next to his. And um, every morning I would come into the, uh, you know, we trained at the same time. So I come in sort of head down, a little bit dozy, a bit tired, fatigued. And then the moment I saw him, I had to brace myself for an arm over my head into a headlock, <laughs> into a scruff of the head, and then this Russian voice going, good morning, Schwinkter boy, how are you this morning? And a big <laughs> laugh. <laughs> and so uh, that was my wake-up call. Um he was, uh, he always had a lot of positive energy. Um, he always had a smile. You know, I look back at how long he swam for, at the level he swam for, the positive energy. He, he just never complained that dude. He was, um, I think people underestimate how tough, how tough he is to be able to be able to do that. I mean, I've done, I've done a day of swimming with Alex Popoff. We did 21 kilometers in one day and it was a, probably an 8K session in the morning. Uh, we did a 9K session during the day, which was three 3,000s. And uh, the, the final one, the third 3,000 was just easy, Gennady said, just easy. Just hold one 10 pace. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, he's still like a world record holder 53. And I knew he had the biggest draft, so I sat behind him. And we held 110 pace for that 3K, hopped out. And I had the best drafting horse ever in front of me. And um, then that night, Gennady, we were having sprint sets, like a 2K sprint set usually in the third session of each of each day. And mm. we're sitting down, it's dark, at, up at um, Ruchidor in, in, in the Sunshine Coast. And Gennady goes, okay, tonight we have a 3,000 time trial. And, and I look around and Toddy Pearson was there as well and, and Michael Clem, Matt Dunn, and I'm just looking around going like, what, you know, like WTF, like are you serious? We're <laughs> expecting to do some dive 15s, you know? Yeah. I turn to Alex and I'm looking for some moral support like, mate, are you serious? Can you do something about this coach, Alex, you know? <laughs> and, and Alex goes, okay, just game <laughs> face, just straight on. <laughs> He was a machine, wasn't he, mate? He could eat it up. God, he could eat it up. I don't think people realise how much work Popoff could take. He could take work all day long. And you would just think to yourself, when is this guy going to drop off? When's his technique going to fall apart? Just never. No. And in the, in, during the day, it was like 35 degrees. So in between those sessions, Gennady would have us on the beach. He'd be wearing his budgie smugglers, all right, with his... You know, his coaching body out, uh, puffing on a cigarette, getting us to do all these sort of Russian gymnastic calisthenics until we couldn't move. And, uh, you know, it was good fun. But, um, yeah, Alex, he was just the perfect machine, wasn't he? He was a machine, yeah. He was a machine. And I don't think people, you know, like us, like that story you just told at the locker room, you know, like people don't understand how funny he was, you know, he was just a, he was a character, you know, but like, you know, when, when he would put his goggles on behind the blocks, you know, you'd think uh, you're racing Drago, you know, like he's just a, a Russian machine, but no, he had personality and he was fun. He was hell fun. Um, I think, um, yeah, he had that, this is what I love. You, you, you're probably in the room and Gennady talked about, I think the Australian team was, bombing out at one of the meets leading up to Sydney. And Gennady gets up and he goes, um, the problem, he goes, can I talk, can I talk? And he rarely talked at those team meetings, remember? Mm, and yeah. uh, he goes, the problem with you Australians, you're too emotional. <laughs> you're too emotional. You need to be more like Alex. You know, behind the blocks, he doesn't beat his chest. He doesn't get emotional. He's just relaxed. He's focused. He knows how to do a job. You Australians are too emotional. <laughs> I you know, do remember and, uh, that. <laughs> and I remember thinking, you know what? There's probably a lot of truth in that, right? Yeah. But, you know, we all work differently. We didn't know how to turn our emotions off, mate. We loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, oh, that's great stories, man. I love it. Yeah, just rem It takes me back when you start talking like that because, man, I just remember those moments so well. But, um, well, in terms of, uh, you know, your world record run that you you had was it was it 99 2000 2001 three years in a row you broke the four by two world record yeah wow yeah. it's pretty pretty insane right so so talk to me talk to me about each one of those ones so the first one in 99 talk to us about that um 99 was my first time in the four by two um i 
broke 150 for the first time. I think I went 149.1 and um, snuck on to the team. I think a couple of other swimmers had a chance to get on and I think they had to beat my time by half a second. Um, and I think Todd Pearson, who uh, is my friend from Perth and my training partner, he went exactly the same time. Mm. And um, I was put under a bit of pressure there to let Todd Pearson take the spot. Um, in my mind, I thought that I deserved it. Um, they One of the best things about Don Talbot's tenure was that he was very black and white. Um, and there's no secret Don Talbot didn't like me much. Um, I think I was uh, by far, the, you know, one of his probably least favourite athletes on the men's team. Um, really? You say that? Really? Uh, I just think um, me and a few others, maybe Rob Van Azant and a few others, we just... We were just always saying from him is just having too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Van Der Zandt for sure, no doubt. <laughs> um, so I think we sort of um, we sort of shared. I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but um, you know I was under a bit of pressure. Top Pearson went at the same time. I had the tuna fly uh, half an hour before the four by two, and um, I. Uh, I knew I could back up, you know, I'd train my ass off and they said, do you want to let Todd swim? And I'm like, mate, he had to go half a second faster in exactly the same time in a time trial. I did it under pressure in, in a race. I'm doing it. And they backed me, luckily. Um, and they backed me. And I think even Don's, Don wanted Tom to do it, Todd to do it. And Todd, you know, better looking than I am, you know, six foot two, stronger, I think most coaches would look at Todd and go, oh, he's, he's able to do more. You know, he's got more future, he's younger and so forth. Um, and, I, and he said, Don said, look, don't stuff it up pretty much. Don't go slower than you did in your swim. It's, you know, and you can have it if you want, but we pretty much prefer Todd to do it. That's how it felt. And so I was pretty, um, I had an okay turn of fly, I jumped up, did the four by two and, went like a second quicker or something, went like 148.5 or 148.4. And um, I think just proved to myself and proved to them that I actually deserved to be there at that time. Nice. But um, that was a pretty, uh, I think as far as Todd and I goes, that was, you know, we were training partners. Um, and I think that because it was so tight, there was a little bit of... Um, little bit of tension there for about a month or so in, in training so uh but that was i think it was it was it was a healthy tension and yeah. um it made us work harder together in training to sort of fight for well we, we really thought for sydney it was going to be me or him or daniel kowalski or matt dunn or kieran perkins or someone else but we knew we were fighting for that fourth spot so in your mind it was it was clemmy thorpey and hacky had kind of um sewn up the top three spot, spots, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, well, you've got a uh, world champion and two world record holders in that, in that event. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think people forget that uh, Hackett had the world record in the, in the tournament free. Um, and he broke that in the 98 world champ trials in Brisbane. Wow, yeah. Yeah, he could swim a mean 200, that's for sure. Yeah, so... <laughs> So Sydney 2000 trials, how does that pan out? What happens there? Um, yeah, well, I was really uh, in good form. I swam uh, 148.0 in a warm-up meet 
um, or one, maybe 148 low in a, in a warm-up meet in Canberra uh, about a month before. So I was feeling pretty good. And I knew that I had to finish top four to make the Olympic team. And after missing 96, that was just my goal. Um, and I swam a reasonably good race. I went went 148-0 again. So I didn't really improve much in that in the last four weeks, probably from the from the from the pressure leading in. Uh, but it was enough to finish fourth. So mm. um, I think the order might have changed around a little bit. It might have been Thorpey first and uh, Hacky second and Klimmy third and me fourth. Right. And then who who finished fifth and sixth? Uh, I think Todd and Kowalski, I would have thought. Right, yeah. So, I mean, all those guys are on the team. Uh, did Todd just get picked up for that race with his fifth-place finish? I think he might have finished sixth in the 100. Okay, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think Todd, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, actually, I can't, I can't remember. Yeah. yeah, he might have finished sixth or, sixth or seventh. Um, but at, but at the end of the day, Todd ends up swimming that relay at the Sydney Olympics and and being part of that world record team, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So uh, I think from the struggle we had the year before, where we were sort of you know vying for that fourth spot, training really hard when we came back, um, for Hacky to have a less than ideal start of the meet uh, just opened the door for us too to as two guys from Perth, two training buddies to sneak in. So for those that don't remember, Grant Hackett ends up winning the 1500 on the last day of the Sydney Olympics in dramatic fashion. But in the lead up to that, for, for the start of the Sydney Olympics, Grant's having a, a miserable meet, right? Like he's swimming, swims the 200, swims the 400. And, um, or did, did he even swim the 400? Yeah. Yeah, just not, not real well, right? Like he didn't swim anything real well. No, he struggled in the first in the first two days, and I think he. You know, There's a few of us that because we went to Melbourne before, so there yeah. was a few of us that ended up getting chest infections. I think he might have been um, might have might have been one of them. Yeah. Um, I think in hindsight, going to Melbourne for a pre-staging camp, probably not a great idea for that for that colder climate. But yeah, I remember it wasn't fun. It was pretty miserable. It was it was cold. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't love that staging camp at all. Um, but, but Grant ends up not being picked on this four by two relay. It's pretty contentious to, to leave Grant Hackett off this thing and put, you know, uh, uh, well, Grant, uh, um, Todd and yourself and leave Grant off. So that was, um, was that a big deal at the time? Do you remember? Um, look, we'd grown up through the Don regime and we thought that, uh, we knew what time he had to do to beat Hackett's individual tournament of free time. So Hackett didn't, I'm not sure if he got a swim in the morning or not. Maybe he did. Um, I know Kowalski did. So maybe he got another, another chance, but uh, we looked at our, our heat times and Todd was the next fastest. Uh, well, it was the fastest. I was the next fastest by 0.05. And then it was the other two Kowalski Hackett. Um, and so we just, Todd and I walked off going, hey, congratulations, man. We're in the final four. Like, wow. how, how cool is that? And then I find out like a couple of years down the track, and I'd love to get um, this story verified, but I, I find out later that Gennady was the coach of that relay. And he basically walked off without looking at any, any of the times going, well, Hackey and uh, Kowalski are, are going to swim. Oh, wow. And 
Jim Fowley, my coach, was there coaching for Fiji, looking really cool in one of those skirts. And um, he was obviously keen to see Todd and I get in that final four, being two of his swimmers. And uh, he checked it out and went, no, Bill and Todd are in. What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? So apparently behind the scenes, there was a bit of an argument, a bit of a discussion. And um, I think Don must have just ruled, well, the time speaks for themselves. This is, um, I think it's one of the greatest things. We, we talk about being stuck in swimming. Swimming is one of the very few sports where you can be completely objective. Mm. You know, it's, you, you can, you know, it's not like water polo or, or rowing even where you're trying to split hairs about, you know, who's the best centre forward? Well, it is objective, but, I mean, it's still a big call to leave Grant Hackett off a 4 by 2 Sydney Olympic final relay team, right? Oh, it's a massive call. Yeah. Massive call. And yeah. I, but I think that our, our culture was, uh, was, was very clear in that, in that regard. Yeah. Um, and I think that as a, as a country, we've, uh, the selectors have gone backward and forward over the years with being a little bit more subjective, a little bit more objective, you know. Um, but uh, I think the message it sends out when you when you don't look at form uh, or you don't look at those real times, and look, I'm not saying for a second, if Grant was in that in that relay, he could have sum as fast as Todd and I perhaps, you know. Um, yeah. But based on what they'd seen for the three days before, he, he, he wasn't that, he wasn't, his, he wasn't that, that guy at that stage. Yeah. You know, so um, I guess just lucky, you know, that uh, that we had people back us. What was it like to go out there and dominate that race in front of that crowd like that? Um, it was pretty. Um, I do remember being supremely confident in the uh, in that ready room. <laughs> yeah, no and, doubt. Uh, and thinking that like. We knew we were going to win if we didn't if we didn't false start. Um, and uh, I remember walking out though through that through that little arch and um, hearing the eighteen thousand people and completely losing my shit, um, just going like holy crap because we'd spent how many hours training for that moment? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I remember going holy because I'm used to swimming second or third in that in that relay team and I was swimming fourth oh and, they put you at the back yeah put the old guy at the back um, so they back ended the whole relay um, mm. or, sorry they reverse ended the the, the uh, yeah. team and mm. uh, so I had all this time you know I had all this time to suck up all this energy and I had to get in the zone and think about it, everything else other than being there <laughs> so I was sitting there just visualizing surfing in Margaret River and getting my heart rate down and and then, and then Thorpey taps me on the shoulder. He goes, mate, are you going to swim or what? <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm back. Yeah. Yeah, classic. What's it like being on a relay team with Ian Thorpe? Uh, yeah, it's, mate, he, um, you know, it's probably like being on a relay team with Michael Phelps, isn't it? If you're in the US team, it's just yeah. confidence building. You've got the greatest swimmer in the world in your, in your team. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I think I look back, I mean, Thorpey never in the four by two never did his best time in the relay. Yeah. Whereas every other swimmer pretty much did. Um, but he'd still be a second faster than everyone else in the relay. <laughs> <laughs> he did enough, mate. 
<laughs> so, uh, and they always put him first, or in my day, they put him first a lot. And um, so, and he, man, what sort of program? I can't imagine doing what doing what he did, backing up every day. What's he like in the ready room? Uh, you know, in the lead up to a four by two like that, is he? How's he with you? How you know? Is he trying to calm your nerves, or is he just in his own world, in his own zone? What's going on with him? Uh, I think he's very much the same as them all. Um, Hacky and Klimi and, and him are just having a chat. You know, I think uh, just smiling, um, telling stories. A lot of them are relevant to swimming. Um, having a laugh. Um, Really, uh, I think Gennady went up to us before the before that relay in Sydney and just goes, "You guys know how to swim. Have fun, enjoy. Mm. Don't be don't be stupid. Have fun, enjoy this. This is your time, you know." And, mm. and so um, I think there's just huge amounts of confidence within those guys, in a, particularly in a team. You know, um, I think. There is a lot of strength in knowing that um, as a collective group, particularly those three swimmers are just that good. Yeah, completely dominant, yeah. Now, did this did this gold medal change your life? <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean like, I, didn't, I don't mean like it didn't bring millions of dollars, but I mean, did it, did it open some doors for you? Ah. Uh, yeah, look, in some ways, I think, um, look, there's no doubt when people say, um, you know, Bill Kirby, Olympic gold medalist, it, it has some credibility. I think I get a lot of looks like people look me up and down and go, really? Yeah. <laughs> what in? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, it, look, I think I heard... Um, probably on one of your podcasts with Chris Feidler just recently, just sort of saying um, it was, you know, I, I, when he said it, I went, that's exactly how I feel. It, it sort of, it, it bookended a huge amount of work and a lot of effort and made it all worthwhile. Right, yeah. Um, would I feel that same level of satisfaction? Possibly not, you know, I just don't think so. I think so. There's a huge amount of pride and satisfaction that comes out of knowing that sure. um, I had that result. But I think more so um, I feel a huge amount of um, learning and satisfaction. I think what, what does change our lives is knowing that you've done everything you humanly can to be the best at your craft. And yeah. um, I think your podcast with the guy from, Trinid from Trinidad. Um, George, George Bavel. George, that was epic. Yeah, um, yeah. that it. was so deep and so epic. And a lot of what he said is so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great analysis there. I love that podcast. That's one of my favorites. So, But listen, um, well, 2001, is 2001 your final year of swimming? Yeah. Okay, so 2001, you guys have this epic 4 by 2 I mean, we, we had... We had a team in 2001. We went to Fukuoka, Japan, and, and the goal was for the Australian team to, to win the gold medal count. And that's what we end up doing, which is, you know, Don Talbot's shining achievement. But we had we have an incredible meet. But you guys you guys break this world record in the 4 by 2 you, you obliterate it, and it lasts for, I think, a period of six years. Um, very dominant. And, and I think it was – I think Hackey came back onto that relay. So it was Klim, Thorpe. Grant Hackett and yourself, I mean, that's that's an epic team to be part of, right? 
Oh, it's amazing. Um, it was a wicked way to finish off. Um, I knew that was going to be my last international swim. Um, I literally bought a caravan the year before. Um, my wife and I decided to, to go caravanning. That's a bit of a break after, after Sydney, and then we're going to caravan around Australia, which was the plan. So um, I remember turning in that last 50 um, of my last 50 and thinking, all right, last hard effort on the international scene before I jump in my caravan. <laughs> <laughs> Just drop the hammer here, let's go. Uh, so, uh, which is probably not the right mindset, to be honest. Um, I went there to that 2001 World Champ to try and win my uh, first international medal in, the, in, a, in, a, in an event as an individual athlete. Um, and I finished fifth in the Tour of Free and I was, um, I was spewing. So, um, but I was satisfied that I couldn't do any more, you know? So yeah. what do you do? Yeah. I, that, that was my experience in 2004 here, mate. I finished six and I felt very satisfied that I, that I'd done what I set out to do and got beat by five people that were better than me. And, and that's all you can do, right? hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, I probably had two people that could have beat me that weren't swimming, that were in my four by two team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true too. <laughs> What a yeah, but what a team, hey! That was a that was a pretty epic team to be part of in in terms of the way that the Australian team was clicking at that point. I think that I think that's the best team Australia's ever assembled, don't you think? Yeah, I think um, I think back to my journey from nineteen ninety three. Um, I think Barcelona was you know it wasn't bad for the Australian team, but it took them to the last day to win a gold medal. Um, um, 93 was obviously the year after the Olympics was pretty flat and Don Talbot was, you know, it was my first experience of Don telling us that we're going to become the best swimming nation in the world. And um, I was sitting in the room, I think with probably 80% of the others going like, A, who cares? B, are you serious? C, it'll never happen. Mm. And that was in 93. And then I think as the years progressed, he was able to, turn the tide over to more people in the Australian team believing it. And then in 98, 99, I think with the incoming Hackett's and the, and the Thorpe's and Susie and Patria and, you know, mm. we, I mean, we had an awesome women's team, right? Yeah. We, we really didn't have any weaknesses. And then we started thinking, Don kept going, you know, we're going to be the best swimming world, uh, team in the world. I reckon everyone believed it was possible. Mm-hmm. And um, so being a part of that shift and then in 2000 we got close right but the Dutch stuffed us up for us <laughs> and um Inga de Bruyne won too many medals and um and Hugenban beat Thorbin Tuna free yeah so we got close in Sydney right um and we were the difference was I think I'm not sure if you noticed it as much but I could not believe how much we were all hoping everyone else in our team was going to do well for that goal yeah. That was such a big shift. And um, it wasn't about, you know, Kieran Perkins swam faster in Sydney than he did to, in 96 in his 1500 free. So not many people realise that. And yet a few days before that, he's sitting with Grant Hackett, helping Grant Hackett get into the right mindset to control his nerves. Yeah. You know, uh, Kieran wouldn't have done that in 96 to a fellow competitor. No. Um, but the whole team culture was about our, our team succeeding. Yeah. And uh, we had some great leaders, uh, Fides, Kieran, um, Danny. We just, it was, it was a magic time. It was, mate. Yeah, it was. 
it's good to be part of it. Good memories, and I'm glad we're documenting this history. You got a great memory too, by the way. I love uh, I love the stuff you can recall. I don't, I don't it might that, be uh, might be a bit um, exaggerated over 20 years. But... <laughs> Man, it's perfect. I love it. I love it. Mate, this has been fun to catch up. It's been too long, but um, I appreciate you coming on here and sharing some stories. Really good stuff. Thanks, mate. And uh, thank you for having us. We look forward to having you in Australia coaching sometime. Yeah, I'd love to come back, you know, um, talk to Rowan. Rowan's, you know, doing a fantastic job as the head now and talk to him regularly and certainly would love to come back someday. It, uh, you know, I'm here for now, but we'll see what happens in the future, mate. Never know, but I uh, appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thanks, Bill. All right. Cheers, Brett. Ta. See you, mate.